0: Hello listeners. This is Dr. Stephen Lapkov and this is a prelude to our podcast for this week. This podcast on anti-semitism was recorded a few weeks ago before the new year. I held off on publishing it frankly because I was concerned about the degree of anti-semitism that it really reared its head. It's been very concerning as I have a daughter who's in one of the Ivy League schools right now who is Seeing up close and personal the ugly face of anti-Semitism, and to be frank, I was concerned that by putting this out there, it might cause problems for her and for others around me. And that should give you a sense as to just how close to home this issue is hitting these days. Please listen to this podcast. Know that it was not recorded when it was published. It was recorded roughly a month before. I look forward to hearing your comments. And I do want to thank Rabbi Cohen, who encouraged me to put this out there. So, please, in the comment section or in an email, drop me a line. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Thank you. Welcome to Judaism in the 21st Century, a podcast that explores issues we face in life and how we can better deal with them with lessons rooted in Judaism. I'm your host, Stephen Labcoff, and my co-host with me every week is Rabbi Daniel Cohen from Congregation Agudath Shalom in Stanford, Connecticut. Welcome aboard, and let's get to it. Hello, and welcome. I'm here today with, as usual, with uh, Rabbi Daniel Cohen from Congregation Agudath Shalom, and I'm your host, uh, Stephen Labcoff. And today, we're going to be talking about sort of time travel. And by that, I mean, I'm trying to figure out what year we're actually living in. Some might say we're living in 2023. But I grew up in the 60s, and it, all, it feels a little bit like 1968. But in recent weeks, it started to feel a little bit more ominous, more like 1938. And this was brought upon brought to my attention basically by the testimony in Congress that happened recently, with the presidents of Pan MIT, and Harvard, which were, those testimonies that were provided were beyond disappointing. In fact, they were enraging. Robert Cohen, I'm sure you're up to date on all of the news, and I'm sure you're up to date on all the things that have been happening in the world. What year is it anyway? 1968, 1938, or 2023? And how do you tell the difference?
1: Wow, you threw a big one out at me today, but hey, I'm not surprised because you are A timely and timeless podcast host. I would say, Steve, it's 2023. And let me explain what I mean by that. There are elements of, I mean, God forbid, of 1938, I mean, where we're seeing rising anti Semitism. We're seeing people who may claim to be intelligent being morally bankrupt. Um, we see masses of people that are embracing ideology that is bigoted and racist and very much uh, in tune with you know, Hamas and Nazism. If you have masses of people on college campuses or anywhere, for that matter, that are screaming from the river to the sea, Palestine should be free, or that are supporting Hamas, we're living in a godless, morally bankrupt society, and that's uh, unnerving. On the other hand, we're blessed with the state of Israel. We're blessed with an army. We're blessed with people that I think are truly mobilized on so many different levels to take this moment in history and ensure never again and understand that God is sovereign and are not going to be um, uh, fearful you know, and paralyzed into inaction and throwing their hands up but rather are taking this moment in history and realizing, this is why it's 2023. Reality is, is we're not yet in a place where God's presence can be seen all over the world, where people recognize, you know, what Israel has brought to the world and that every human being is created in God's image. And that means that Hamas, the Amalekites, Iran, forces of evil still exist. And we shouldn't delude ourselves into thinking that, we are there yet. We know that we're not there yet. This battle in Israel has uncovered a lot of the stuff that still exists. But I like to look at the year 2023 as goal to go on the finish line. All right. We are in an amazing age right now. We've returned back to the land of Israel after 2000 years, returned to Jerusalem. Um, the deserts of the Negev are now flourishing. Um we're in jerusalem there's so much technological advances and yet there are people that want to prevent and abort that from happening and just like when your goal to go on the goal on the yard line the defenses scream and yell and threaten and 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 do all sorts of things that's where we are right now we're in the last stages here and uh israel will be victorious god forbid should the uh, sacrifices be even higher hopefully the hostages will be home but this is an inflection point in history and as rabbi rimon said i'll just conclude with this our generation 2023 is writing another chapter in tanakh and jewish history that's how important this moment is um so that's kind of where i see that we're at and god willing we will continue uh to rise to the occasion and the uh the light will outshine the darkness
0: boy um i'll be honest i wish i shared your optimism um You have six daughters. I have one daughter. My one daughter is at one of those three universities where the president of that university offered appallingly poor judgment in in, uh, speaking to Congress last week. And it left me not just hurt and upset, but just livid. It left me livid. We're paying $80,000 a year, and my daughter can't wear her Jewish star on the campus anymore. We're paying incredible amounts of money for, and we've, my daughter worked incredibly hard to get to where she is. And she doesn't feel safe walking on that campus right now. And I asked the question, is it 1938 versus 2023? Because these are the kinds of things that we did see happening just before things really took a left turn in 1939. You know, it's only about, what is it? Seventy-five years ago, 80 years ago, Kristallnacht was in November of 1938, I believe. Yeah. And we're seeing things that are, you know, businesses being assaulted, people being held up, beaten up in Brooklyn. I mean, the degree of how much is out there. And the question I don't really get in my head, honestly, is, Is it? does it feel more abrupt now than ever because of the news and the instantaneality, if that's a word? Um, in terms of how fast information can travel about events and how the media is glorifying everything one way or the other, you know,
1: good and bad. So, Um, yeah. Well, I I would say the following that um, because of the news and the access that we have all the time, you know, we're finding out about, I mean, just think about this for a minute, okay? There's There's definitely rallies. There's people tearing stuff down. There's 200, there's over 300 million people in America, okay? Over 300 million people. How many of those individuals are actually taking place in these rallies? What percentage of people? Few, really few. The majority of the people in America want to live in peace. The majority of people in America, you know, I think are nice people. I don't think that you have these haters that are prevalent. The government it's different than nazi germany it's this is not a this is not a nazi government here there's a government that really is again i think needs to be even more uh strong but for the most part you know understands the battle that israel is fighting that doesn't mean we should be um we should be complacent by any means but because of the fact that we're consuming all this news and the news is highlighting all the negativity and the extremes we get scared I believe, you know, it's interesting. There was a, uh, a candle lighting last night at Harvard um, with the president. Some people felt like this was pandering to her and she shouldn't be there. I'm not sure if I agree. I think she should have been fired, but she's there still right now. So the question is, do you invite or you not? But what really bothered me was the Chabad rabbi there at Harvard said openly, I can't leave my menorah out at night for fear of people vandalizing it to me that is totally inexcusable if she can't enable a menorah to be um protected at night she certainly doesn't belong there and i think this is a point when people really need to kind of call people out on that because i actually don't believe that's what most americans want they don't want jews to be living in fear they don't want your daughter to have to put her star of david around I would suggest your daughter wears her Star of David very proud. And she goes to somebody in the administration and says, I am walking through this place proudly. Either you protect me or you don't. And if they don't, then the whole place needs to be like, you know, called out on it. She should call a newspaper and say, I want you to walk around campus with me with a Star of David. This is a moment that we have to stand up and not sit down or we're just inviting more bigotry.
0: Well, that's actually where I wanted to take this conversation, which is. You know whether you're optimistic or whether you're pessimistic, there are actions that empower. Acting in the proper way empowers it, empowers you. And you know, for the folks who listen to this podcast, you know, you just gave one one methodology of empowerment. What are some of the things that you see that can help people feel like they're taking some degree of control? I mean, by the way, I was exposed to some anti-Semitism in a job I had my previous in my previous organization. And the organization literally did nothing about it. I complained. I went to the human resources group. And they apologized, but they did nothing beyond that. The offending colleague did not even get a slap on the wrist. And this was in a public setting. And this was in in 2021. Yeah. So what do we do to help folks feel empowered? I mean, I know people... In my circle of friends who their way of becoming empowered is to go out and get a gun license and start packing heat like and i'm not joking i'm quite serious people that you know too are are doing that and i don't see that as i don't see that as an answer either but so let's discuss what are some of the ways we can act and some of the things we can do that will actually have teeth will actually make a difference I mean, I know at the menorah lighting ceremony on Sunday night, we had a state representative there. I did notice that our mayor was not there, although I was told she was traveling and couldn't be there. But she had been there in previous years.
1: Um, yeah, she, by the way, just so you know, there was another public ceremony at uh, the government center that she was at a couple of days later. Okay. Our mayor, God, just for the record, is is very supportive and very good. Um,
0: look, I think Yet our that, JCC is now surrounded by, by a, a wooden fence. So that they, uh, you know, our JCC is surrounded by a six-foot-high wooden fence that was erected last year. In the light of everything else,
1: and yeah, they looked at the JCC a couple days ago. There's no fence sitting around it. Oh yes, there is.
0: Oh yes, there is. Go to the parking lot on the left-hand side. of The parking lot. You drive in.
1: There's no. A that's six, a, yeah, but that's that's surrounding maybe the the. Uh, it's surrounding the, the playfields. Yeah, that's different. Okay, I understand. But that's it not wasn't there two there. years ago. It yeah. Wasn't. Okay, I two hear, years hear ago. you. Look, I think that we have to be, um, obviously, as I said, like, you know, we have to be smart. It's not like, for example, I'm saying we shouldn't have, of course, we should have security and we have to work with police and work with with the other agencies. At the same time, look, when there are petitions that are going out and look, it sometimes feels as if it's like we're just shooting or there's so many issues. I mean, there's right. issues on diversity. There's issues with films. There's issues all over the place. But we have to. Obviously, just be very intentional about making sure that our voices are heard, about calling our representatives, about reminding them of the values that Israel stands for, that America stands for, what we're fighting for. It means also um, posting signs, even if something's taken down, finding other ways to post signs for the hostages. We put a big sign in front of a good of Shalom uh, a few days ago, um, making sure that mezuzah stays up you're wearing your uh, Star of David or your yarmulke that it's on and really calling out, you know, anti-Semitism for what it is. Unfortunately, anti-Zionism in in many cases is anti-Semitism and not having the um, fear. This is important. At the end of the day, all these threats, they're human beings. We are on the side of history here. God believes in us, or else we wouldn't be here today. He believes that we have a role, which is to try to bring about that world when God's light will shine and Israel will be secure and the world will be a better place. So, when you know that God is with you, and that's why God says to Abraham in Isaiah 40, do not grow tired or weary. And those who have faith in God, their strength will be renewed. I encourage people to read Psalms, be empowered. You're not alone. You're not alone get together with other jewish people get together with other people by the way don't be jewish who are aligned with you make sure you fill your mind and head with positive things with faith with hope with shared values and that's also a way to be empowered you're not alone
0: so i'm wondering about even more active things i mean i've been signing petitions i've been sending emails i've been calling congressmen's offices I get boilerplate back. Everything you said is empowering to a degree, but when I was young in growing up in Philadelphia, there were there was a Jewish movement that I had heard of, but never really knew much about. It was run by a, a rabbi named Meyer Kahane. Mm-hmm. And as I understand it, and I don't have a lot of primary information about what was the JDL, the Jewish Defense League, but I was under the impression that it was a very Active organization that that um, that struck back. Are we in a time and a place where we need something along those lines at this point in time? Uh,
1: no, I don't think that's what we need. I don't think we need to take the law into our own hands and vigilantism. I think that uh, you know the, the people who are in 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 the government and the police and all that. I think you got to build bridges locally. It's really important. Also, build bridges locally. Thank your police officers, go to your government. You know, you get, you got, we got to be advocates, but I do think that they're, they're here to create safe spaces in whatever town in which we're in. And we shouldn't be, uh, not certainly taking the law into our own hands because we're not even equipped to do that well. That, that that's doesn't, true. Work. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I find the friends of mine that I know that have been buying gun, getting guns and licenses. I ask my, you know, that's something I don't permit anywhere near me. I don't want to have that in my home, in my circle. But I know these people, I know them very well. And uh, events of the last, uh, let's call it three to six months have kind of changed their perspective on things. And it's disheartening. It's a bit frightening. And, you know, six months ago, I wouldn't have said, I would have said they were nuts. I would have said they're out of control, you know, off the off. They're not. They're not. I don't disagree with anything you've said today on today's discussion. I think that all the <laughs> things you said are are viable and and they need to be you know need to be done. Wear your mezuzah, wear your star of David, wear your kippah. Although I grew up in Northeast Philadelphia in the seventies, and I'd lived through anti-Semitism, I had a pipe bomb blown up behind my left leg by a bunch of kids when I was 12.
1: Mm.
0: And uh, this was as a result of my being the only Jew in that particular group of kids. Um, That was a firsthand experience where that actually, I could have lost my leg or at least my foot. Um, I haven't seen things get that bad here yet, but I don't want to be naive. In 1938, Jews didn't do anything and they ended up getting slaughtered. And that's kind of what I am a little bit concerned about, to be frank.
1: So, Look, I think that just to wrap this up, I think that um, we're in a better place, thank God, than in 1938. I do believe that, you know, there are a lot of people of goodwill, people in in, in city government, state government, United States. We have the state of Israel, thank God. Uh, We have um, a lot that's been accomplished in terms of uh, the development of Israel. And, yeah, we shouldn't be complacent. This is kind of a pivotal moment. For all of us, but uh, we have to continue uh, to be resolute. And as I say this all the time, don't lament the darkness. Let's increase the light. Let's increase, increase the, light. the
0: light. Well, Great. listen. Um, thanks so much for the for the conversation. Um, it's not often you and I are on different sides of the page. And when we end a podcast, I'm still a little concerned about what's. I'm no, not a little concerned. I'm very concerned about what I'm seeing out there. But I'd like to follow your lead, frankly, because I think your lead does lead to a better place. And uh, I don't—I'm I'm hopeful that the things I've been seeing and observing will start to abate in the very near future. And with Mad. that, we'll call this a, call this a wrap, and we'll uh, we'll say thanks for today's podcast, and we look forward to uh, next week's. Hello, thank you for joining us today on Judaism in the 21st century. You've been listening to Rabbi Daniel Cohen from Congregation of God the Shalom in Stanford, Connecticut, and Dr. Stephen Labkoff. Please join us again next week for another episode. Thanks for listening.